You're listening to Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. People are like, oh, winter's the best time to hike in Florida. And I'm like, yeah, it's nice. It's cool. But I mean, I love <laughs> spring and summer fall. Give me the other seasons. I know it starts to get toasty. Uh, but I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, there's just so much to see. And it's, it's funny now that I've like really dived into you know, native plants and landscapes and learning more about plants and like learning the blue times and bloom times and habitats and kind of like, okay, I really want to see pine lily. So I, you know, I look for this and this, like there's certain things that you kind of like in your brain, you know, check off to say, okay, I need to visit this park at this time, this park at that time and kind of like plan out. That was Stephanie Dunn landscape architect and native plant enthusiast, and I'm Misty Ridley-Little, Florida Trail hiker and host of the podcast. Like so many people, I find a lot of inspiration in the feed of various folks on Instagram, and Steph's feed was no different. Located in South Florida, Steph can be found traipsing the coastal scrub habitats of Jonathan Dickinson State Park or other coastal scrub preserves throughout Broward and Palm Beach counties, or trekking to the interior region of the state to Kissimmee Prey Preserve State Park to photograph the wet and dry prairies or to Big Cypress National Preserve to showcase the cypress swamps. It didn't matter to me where Steph was going. I was soaking in all of her photos in her feed. Raised on the East Coast of Central Florida, Steph found herself in South Florida during college and later working there as a landscape architect. And it was here she became drawn to the ecosystems and landscapes of South Florida. Since I spent so much time in the region of the state, I too am drawn to the places she shares. And it was because of how incredibly diverse and fascinating this region is that I wanted to have stuff on to impart some of her knowledge to hikers. I will admit, it made me quite homesick a few times listening to stuff talk about places I was already familiar with. A few notes. At one point, we were talking about tropical hardwood hammocks, and my brain says, Everglades City, as a place we didn't explore a lot. I explored plenty in Everglades City and the surrounding areas. I meant to say Flamingo in Everglades National Park, an area that we didn't visit very often. And the last note. I talk about being hesitant and wearing masks while hiking or at state parks. We recorded this episode in late April when masks were just beginning to be in use and things were still quite up in the air. I think it's been quite covered by now that not wearing a mask while hiking as long as you're maintaining a good distance from others not in your social group is okay, but you should be carrying a mask to be courteous for situations where distancing cannot be maintained. As well, many states or localities have put in mask mandates in place, so do know what those are for where you're hiking. Masks make us all safer and get us to a place where we can be hiking mask-free and doing long trails with ease once again. Alright, enough COVID. <laughs> and on to the episode. Um, yeah, so hey, nice to meet you. I've been, you know, kind of fangirling <laughs> you for enough, many, many years now, so <laughs> oh, <laughs> to talk yeah. to you. <laughs> It's very nice to finally be able to put a face to the name and get to speak with you. So I yeah. appreciate having tonight to talk. So yes. Um, so I guess maybe if you want to just introduce yourself um, and who you are uh, a little bit, so that way, you know, you're, this is a little bit of a different podcast. It's not strictly Florida Trail. Um, <laughs> you know, we're gonna be talking about a lot of different things, but yeah, a little bit of who you are and your background. I think you might be native Floridian. Yes, so my name is Stephanie Dunn. Most people know me as Stephanie on Instagram. Um, I was born and raised in Palm Bay, Florida, so in Southern Brevard. So I heard you actually lived in Melbourne for some yes. time. Yes, yes. My woods. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I'm just a second generation Floridian um, and grew up there and I love being from there. It's just a beautiful place and I think it's just a beautiful spot in Florida and I think where it was geographically located, the kind of natural areas that were around like was just kind of like perfect for me and like my experience and um, it's awesome. And now I'm living in South Florida. So I'm residing in Palm Beach County and I work in Broward. Um, so kind of like Southern central Florida, all the way to South yeah. Florida, <laughs> kind of like my range now. And I'm kind of like Florida Panther. I have like a big territory that I kind of, <laughs> um, and just getting outdoors. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just getting into like, plants and nature. I mean, like I said, being from Southern Brevard, I think what's really unique about that area is being a coastal county, its proximity to the Indian River Lagoon, proximity to the St. John's River to the west is just kind of like the perfect balance of living in a city and kind of sprawling suburb, I guess, not really a yeah. dead city, and having those like natural areas around, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, so we, yeah, we moved in Melbourne right after Chris had gotten into Florida Tech for grad school, and that's kind of where we, we started geocaching, which led us to all the different natural areas, and I spent many hours running at Turkey Creek Sanctuary and, you know, going to see the manatees and, you know, driving to uh, Sebastian Buffer Preserve and all these different, you know, cool, like, public lands that, you know, people weren't hiking on, and... Um, I do, I really miss that area because I'm sure it's a little bit different now. I haven't been in so many years, but um, it was, it didn't take long to feel kind of rural and uh, just very into nature. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned Turkey Creek Sanctuary because as a kid, my mom used to take me to the public library there. We'd walk over to the nature center. Like I have very fond memories of doing that and going on the boardwalk there. And now it's a place I love to return to. And I recently went with my mom earlier this year and it's just nice to be able to think back and reflect on those memories as a child and then getting to do it now being older, you know, almost 30. So. Yeah. <laughs> Now, now, where did you end up in college? So I ended up at Florida Atlantic University. Um, I decided to stay in state, um, got scholarship, so it was more affordable for my family. Um, and then I chose coming to FAU because it's only two hours from home. I was close enough to mom and dad, like to go home and do laundry and visit. Far enough away to kind of have that, like going away college experience. Um, and obviously being in South Florida and the industry and the urban area that's here, like studying architecture, kind of, you know, being in this environment was conducive to learning that and studying that, um, which was great. So, so, did, so you, did you always have like interest in nature and like, or how did you switch from, or want to go from, you know, enjoying nature and then focusing on architecture and specifically like landscape architecture? How did, what did you... What made you decide that? You know, like growing up, being where I was from, like I grew up sailing on the Indian River Lagoon with my parents, like being around all that nature. And then like when I was young and in grade school, then when I got to high school, it was more sports driven. Then it was, okay, I'm going to go now to college and study. So I kind of like had this disconnect with nature while I was having these human experiences yeah. in college and doing the whole university bit. And then reconnecting with that 
my later years of college and kind of like having a more solid relationship with my parents and spending time with them. Like I never did the whole spring break experience of going and partying somewhere. I would do road trip with mom and dad to go camping in a travel trailer or going down to the Florida Keys, but going and going to like a resort or snorkeling out and going to state parks. So that was something that I liked doing, but kind of like looping back into that when I was in architecture school, I, I enjoyed most was site design, like how buildings are situated on a site, how they're oriented based off, you know, solar, wind, and kind of like the natural systems and how the building integrates with that between man-made and natural. So that aspect is what I like the most about architecture, which actually ties more into landscape architecture. So I kind of like made that transition in my last year of schooling when I met um, my now bosses, um, Rebecca and Gage, um, they own Cadence, which is a landscape architecture firm in Fort Lauderdale. They hired me as an intern and then started working full time after school. Okay. And, then, and I graduated in 2014, so over five years now, I've been working for them. So. Okay. okay, yeah. So you spent a lot of time sounds like you spent quite a bit of time, you know, traveling and going to state parks and that, but when you came to South Florida, was it kind of a big learning curve of trying to figure, learn the different landscapes down there? I mean, obviously it's probably way more urban than you were used to. So. Yeah. I mean, in college, I really didn't explore much of the natural world in South Florida. Um, but once I was able to graduate and I was like, really living here and devoted like this is where I'm gonna stay this is where I'm working um then I really started to explore and kind of like tying back into my job is like well I'm working with plants I'm working with this landscape this physical thing in urbanized areas how can I infuse that with like the natural flora that I always loved well the only way to do that is to learn more about natural Florida and get out there and get experience and then that's really I really started to kind of explore and it really didn't like click in my head and connecting that until I was already working at Cadence for a number of years. It wasn't until the beginning of 2017 when I did a first day hike that the Florida State Parks do. Mm -hmm. And I went to Kissimmee Prairie Preserve State Park. It's the first time I ever went to that park. I was on a hike that was led by the president of the friends group that's there. And she was also involved with Florida Native Plant Society for one of the, um, the Pinellas County chapter. She's like, I was looking at plants, I was photographing, I was really enjoying the walk and just taking and absorbing the information. She's like, you need to go and join Florida Native Plant Society. So then that kind of like, okay, really focused on plants. Like it's not just to do your job, but like what can you do to make it more interesting and just gaining that knowledge and how I can apply it to my work is kind of what just sparked it even more. So really I've only been like, heavily exploring native Florida and like wild places and like really going to state parks in the last, you know, three, four three. years. Yeah. So okay. it's a short time frame where I'm just like feeling like a human sponge and I'm just trying to absorb everything <laughs> as possible. Well, and I kick myself because I, you know, I was living and working in South Florida and I, I feel like, you know, I got to know the landscape, but it's even now later, 10 years after I've left the state that I'm even learning even more. And it's just this constant, it's a constant growth really of just learning and absorbing more information and realizing just how much you don't know. And uh, yeah. So <laughs> I feel like it's, 
it is a little bit overwhelming in like the world that we're living in. There's all this access to information, but it's like your brain can only take so much at a time, but it's also like trying to take in the right information, trying to sift through the noise of like what's important and like trying to connect the dots and like how, you know, you fit into like this bigger landscape or picture and how you can enjoy it or make it positive or preserve it and save it for the future. And, you know, your impact and footprint that you're leaving. So it's kind of that constant balancing act, <laughs> which I find really interesting. It's, and South Florida is like, it's kind of like its own state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like a majority of the population is very disconnected to a degree. There's a lot of people that obviously care about the beautiful. They like going to the beach. They like, you know, going for bike rides, enjoying the neighborhood parks and things like that. But like really getting out to the wild parts, I don't feel like it's common for everyone to do that. And yeah. I feel like more people do that, they do feel more connected. So hopefully that change will shift. And I think like environmentally people are more conscientious now and maybe that'll be different, you know, a few right. years from so, I mean, I think your, your outline you sent me and then what I added to it is like pretty broad and, and in depth. But um, I think one of the first things you talked about was the landscapes of South Florida, which is, you know, you're heavily focused on South Florida. And I'm going to have, um, Lily said she was going to come on uh, and talk about North Florida and um, that region. So I'm excited to have some <laughs> different uh, people talking about the landscapes. But yeah. The reason why I want to do this podcast was because, you know, people come to South Florida or Florida in general, they have a basic understanding of, okay, well, I'm going to start in Big Cypress. It's going to be a swamp. It's going to be wet. And, you know, there's some wet spots in other areas. And what else is there? Um, you know, I think people have a good understanding, but they may not necessarily, like, put it all together on a bigger scale of how... Uh, just important some of these landscapes are and how interconnected they are. And just especially once you start looking at, you know, Everglades restoration for one, um, you know, you know, people walking through the, the levees uh, south of Okeechobee, how that affects where they just came from in Big Cypress. So I, you know, I feel like this is a very broad topic, but maybe if you do want to talk about some of the landscapes of South Florida, um, you know, the different ecosystems and how they interact a little bit and, um, yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I guess to first start off is like, like you mentioned, the Florida Trail goes through Big Cypress, it goes towards like Okeechobee and then into the Kissimmee River ecosystem. So that South Florida, you know, parameter where the trail is actually physically going through. So obviously in Big Cypress, you know, you're going to experience marshes, which are, you know, non-tidal systems that are not forested. They're dominated by grasses, sedges, and other herbaceous plants. You know, in South Florida, you'll think of sawgrass marshes or prairies or sloughs, which, you know, provide habitat for waterfowl and other wildlife. Um, and when I think of those types of landscapes, I think of like great white egrets or snowy egrets that are just sitting out on the landscape and kind of pop out of the grasses. So, you know, you're experiencing that you think of, like you mentioned, like cypress swamps and like going through freshwater swamp systems, you know, that are forested. So it's a different experience than like being out in an open marsh, you know, where it's no sun protection. Yeah. Space, right. And everyone, you know, thinks of the river of grass, you know, that expanse. So, and then like, I mean, the freshwater swamps are just amazing. I've done a few swamp walks um, out in Big Cypress, different times of year. 
I've gone when it's been really wet. I've gone when it's been really dry. And that's just like amazing to witness. And I feel like everybody should do that at one point. And I wish more people could experience that because that's kind of just like ephemeral and just like to be in that moment and like experiencing that. And I mean, those are all like freshwater ecosystems, those marshes and swamps. So all of that is driven by hydrology. So when you talk about times of years when people can actually walk through the swamp. <laughs> yeah. Hydrology <laughs> is extremely important to the types of plants you're going to see, how much wildlife is there, you know, seasons where the water is much lower, there's not as much birds nesting, you know, their counts are lower. So that's all affected by that hydrology that happens. And all of that is water from the Kissimmee River Valley going into Lake Okeechobee. And then when it does, <laughs> yeah. well, that's a whole nother issue. Um, and then rainfall into, and then, you know, the low amount of flow into the Everglades, but that elevation change between Flamingo and this most southern part of Everglades National Park on the mainland of Florida, all the way to Lake Okeechobee. There's not a lot of elevation change, but those minimal bits is what gets you that mosaic landscape that you see, which I I find personally really interesting. I mean, I get most excited when I go out on a trail. There is slight elevation change because you see a multitude of plant diversity, which mm -hmm. is wonderful. I mean, and I mean, beyond that of like what you see from the Florida trail in terms of that, like those are the two main ecosystems I feel like everyone thinks about, but you know, you have the pine lens that you start to get into when you're on the ocean to lake trail, that, that spur trail that connects off. So that I feel like is really fun to hike that through in parts of Jonathan Dickinson in Riverbend Park and some of the natural areas in Palm Beach County where that trail goes through. Um, I mean, those are some of the funnest segments of the Florida Trail that I have been able to hike on um, for day hiking. Uh, that's really amazing. I mean, when you have Pineland Forest, you know, you're characterized by this open canopy of pine trees, which creates this very diverse assemblage of plants in the understory. And that's where you get a lot of wildflowers and you know, that's where you see that. Yeah. Occurring, yeah. Which is great. And then I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but part of the Florida trail, there's like loops within Jonathan Dickinson that go through scrub habitat. Yes. Yes. Um, which I've done a few out and backs um, from the ranger station close to the park entrance, which is great. Um, you know, and it's scrub habitat in Florida, you have the historical scrub, where a lot of endemics and rare flora happening on the Lake Wales Ridge. But here in South Florida, it's all happening along the coast near the Atlantic Coast Ridge. Um, so that higher elevation, that's a couple miles wide, where basically 95 is. Yeah. <laughs> but when you get into Jonathan Dickinson, you know, it's more towards the coast where just one. Um, but amazing scrub flora. I love scrub plants. Um, they're some of my favorite to see. Um, so that's a fun segment. So getting diversity, it's not all swamps. There's also scrub and pineland to explore too. Yeah. Coming back here to Texas and, and talking to people, you know, I primarily am an environmental consultant and you do a lot of wetland delineations and things like that. And, uh, you know, they ask, they would ask like, well, how would you delineate this in Florida? I'm like, well, in Florida, like, you know, an inch or two could be high in upland and your wetland, it was pretty clear, like where your line is <laughs> a lot of times, like 
there's an upland because, okay, these plants are definitely not going to be, you know, three inches lower in the water here. So. Well, yeah. And like the tree islands, that's another thing. Yeah. Like the in the Everglades, you know, that little bit of higher elevation, you get these broadleaf trees that can be 40 to 50 feet in the air. You have this dense canopy that creates the shade and having all types of mosses and ferns, epiphytes and bromeliads, like really thriving in those types of environments. So, I mean, it's just, there's great diversity. And I think there are some key places that you can hike to see a lot of that in, in a day hike situation. And I, that's for, to me, the most exciting thing about getting out into nature is seeing so much that it's just like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> that just is like ooing and awing the whole time. <laughs> I feel like there's one, one habitat that I wish that the Florida trail really saw more of. And I think you get a taste of it on, if you if you hike the Florida Keys on the on the Eastern Continental Trail part, um, I think you get a little bit of the tropical hardwood hammock, yeah, taste. But we don't you don't really get that on the Florida Trail. And I wish I wish for some reason that we could somehow you know start in Everglades City or or somewhere like that and, and get that. But um, that is one and that's one habitat I don't I'm not as familiar with because to be honest, we just didn't go that direction nearly as much. We were always in Big Cypress and Pakahatchee and you know, places like that. So, no, Everglades National Park would be awesome if there was a way that the trail could somehow get into there because there's just so much. I mean, there's amazing landscapes. And I mean, obviously, the, Ever the Everglades is like, when you just say the words, it just like gives me music because I just know like there's just amazing things out there to like witness, to like bear witness to nature and just see it like yeah. happen yeah so do you have any particular like habitats in south florida that are your favorite yes it's scrub <laughs> well to roll in everglades national park specifically i love going to long pine key um near the campground um there's the long pine key nature trail which is a really there's like 22 miles of trails that kind of interconnect um people do walk it a lot of people bike it um, but there's a small little trail. It's called three and one. It's super short. I've taken my parents on it, which is great. So if you have people with you that are not experienced hikers, um, it actually goes through pine rockland habitat and it goes out to the prairie. There's like prairie marsh, like sawgrass marsh. And then it cuts and then you basically like triangle back into, um, tropical hammock, hardwood hammock. So you get like a little taste of three different habitats in one. And then the best thing is, is like, I always tell people the ecotones where the habitats meet. So where the pine rocklands meeting the prairie or where the pine rocklands meeting the hammock, like that's where the zones where there's the most diversity of plants or wildlife. So those are kind of like things I look for when I'm wanting to explore a trail. Um, but besides Everglades, like thinking more of like South Florida towards Southwest Florida, I mean, Fagahatchee Strand Preserve, I've only ever been to once. Love to go back. Um, when I went, it was bone dry in May. It was, um, I think two years ago. Um, and we were there with the park biologist, Mike Owen, and he was telling us all about the orchids and everything. <laughs> Blowing to be able to just like walk through that and, 
I have never been in wet season, so <laughs> I've seen Carlton Ward Jr.'s photos of it in his videos, and I can't even imagine. I mean, it's like the crazy change of hydrology. It like. feels, it's really pleasant, actually. And in the summer, it's like its own air conditioner, basically. So you're wet, but it feels good. You're not sweating. I mean, you sweat, I'm but sure. you're not, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I'm really cool. <laughs> so that's the one thing I would love to do is go and I love going back to places and experiencing them different times of the year so that is one where I've only ever been once and I would I'd love to go back again and then obviously Jonathan Dickinson State Park um, is a beautiful state park if anyone hasn't been I definitely recommend it there is something for everybody um, and just the diversity of habitat there like when I go I plan my visits where try to get there super early and I hike out on the scrub trails because I know it's going to be cooler in the morning. And then I shift to the more pineland habitat in the afternoon, midday where I get a little bit of shade and canopy cover, um, you know, planning to paddle too on the Loxahatchee river is awesome. So that's a great um, state park to, to visit too. So yeah. Hi, my top. <laughs> <laughs> of uh, where I'd like to get to know better and keep going back to. <laughs> so we've been talking about landscapes and I think in Florida, when you're hiking on the Florida trail, it's really about a lot of the flora and fauna. And yes, it's not necessarily, you're not necessarily going to have this, you know, gorgeous mountain views and things like that, but it's a lot of times the more subtle things that you're mm -hmm. going to be finding along the trail. Can you talk a little bit about the deeper aspects of these landscapes? Like, um, you've briefly touched on some of the, the plants and the habitats, but maybe, I mean, how, how these communities evolved and um, any particular species to be looking out for. Absolutely. So part of the reason why South Florida is so much a bi biodiversity hotspot is because over time, you know, natural phenomena, evolution there is the the flora that's here has been influenced by a multitude of things it's been influenced by the caribbean and having tropical plants and you know there's species that are native here that can be found throughout the tropics in the caribbean you also have species that are found in the southeastern coastal plain you know from more temperate plants that are also native to the state and then also obviously endemic influence like i mentioned about the lake wells ridge the natural water level of the state being under and above water and that evolution itself so all those influences have created this spot where there's a crazy amount of biodiversity so you're going to see plants here in south florida that you can't see anywhere else in the continental united states um and you know 60 percent of the native species here like in south florida below lake okeechobee originated in the tropics that had you know that you can find elsewhere um so it's really a different landscape so that's i feel like why people vacation here because i feel like it's not like any part of the other you know the yeah. they're you know in the tropics um so yeah so that is definitely you know why the plant diversity is the way it is on top of the hydrology the climate and the geology and just the way our shape of the state is and all that kind of stuff is all coming together to be what you know south florida is and how unique it real i don't 
people, I don't think people realize how unique it is that you're getting to be able to experience this <laughs> landscape. Natural <laughs> things had to happen over such a long period of time for you to be able to experience that, you know? Yeah. So when you're out hiking, what are some, I guess maybe even, I don't know how much you're getting out right this moment, but uh, <laughs> typically this time of year, what would people be seeing uh, on the yes. trail or what's, what's blooming right now that you've seen recently? So um, in springtime, <laughs> this would be the time when I would be at Jonathan Dickinson State Park <laughs> um, or out at Wong Pine Key. I'd be looking for um, terrestrial ground orchids like grass pinks, which are calicogon species or spiranthes species. Um, I mean, I've one of the coolest things I've seen out at Everglades National Park was man in the ground. It's a type of uh, morning glory that has this bright pinkish red bloom. It's it's stunning to see. I've only ever seen it once, um, but I saw it in um, spring uh, one year. Um, I mean, <laughs> this is the best time to be out hiking in Florida to see all the wildflowers and yeah. So I'm really kind of distraught that I can't do that now. But, I mean, there's amazing things to see. I was at Everglades earlier um, this year, and there was southeastern sneezeweed in large stands, which is a bright yellow wildflower. It's such it's so cheery, too. Um, I see it up at Kissimmee Prairie. It's I can't remember its natural range and say. I think it pretty since I think it might be throughout the state. Um, and that's a beautiful wildflower to see. Um, and let's see. What other things right now <clears throat> i mean i know the sundews are blooming the carnivorous plants so that's another thing that it's always fun to see when you're kind of in a boggy kind of wet area to look out for so. yeah and i think that's pretty common to see along pretty much most of the florida trail and i don't know if people even know what they are necessarily either they probably just walk by them and like there's yeah. this little like red plant at the bottom that's <laughs> i'm stepping on um, yeah. If you look look closely, it's it's a carnivorous plant. Yeah, those are those are pretty neat. I mean, other common plants that they like hikers would see obviously are like different types of epiphytes, like Tillandsia species. Um, you know, there's 16 different native species of Tillandsia in Florida. Many of them are found in South Florida um, in their range, um, getting really unique ones, especially. Um, towards Fakachi Strand and parts of Big Cypress. Um, so that's always neat to see. Um, Utricularia, which is bladderwort species, those are another carnivorous plant that's always fun to see. I, out of Big Cypress, I've seen purple and yellow blooming, and those are great. I've seen those, they bloom around the spring too when I see spiranthes in bloom. Um, there's a there's a spiranthes odorata. That species smells so good. It's heaven when you smell it. <laughs> that out of big cypress it was like we hadn't seen like hardly any wildflowers because the trail was so flooded when we went um it was like late spring early summer and then there's just one bloom by itself and it was it was great so i mean they're definitely like i mean i personally too i love seeing sawgrass in bloom oh yes i do too i love sawgrass like the full regalia of sawgrass is really pretty i love in big stands too like at what I've seen it up close at a long pine key um, on the nature trail. There's like a, I remember there's like a 50 yard segment of the trail where there's like a lot of it just kind of like massed and you're just right along the trail and it's just all blooming and it's really fun to see because it gets so tall and you know, you kind of feel a little bit dwarfed by it. Mm -hmm. 
Did you happen to ever see the giant cowhorn orchid out in Everglades before it died? Never did. <sighs> I've, I've seen it so many times in photos. I feel like I've seen it in person, but I can't imagine that experience being able to see that. But, but yeah, I wish I did. <laughs> yeah, we were lucky enough. I think we saw it, went and saw it twice. And I wish I had, Chris, I think might have taken some better photos, but I don't have anything too great. Um, I think my camera had died around that time. But uh, yeah, I was really disappointed to see that yeah. uh, that died. So, I mean, storms are a natural part of, you know, the evolution of plants and animals, you know, in the landscape. And, um, you know, sometimes it's a bad thing, and but, you know, certain things get damaged, you know, like that, you know, something that's beloved and recognizable and everyone's like pilgrimages to see it, right? Yeah. But you also have instances where, you know, maybe a parcel of land that hasn't been managed properly, that's too dense in pines. Now the pines have, you know, fallen and now the landscape can be reinvigorated, you know, with that open sunshine coming through the canopy. So there's goods, goods and bad about storms. Yes, of course. No, but that was particularly painful, though. This really so, old orchid that ah, was massive. I saw photos on the Facebook group that I'm a part of uh, that I, I kind of just... I never post anything really. I just kind of burn <laughs> and kind of take it in it. But um, Florida Flora and Ecosystematics. Oh, it's okay. like core flora people that like key out stuff and talk about genetics. Like they really get into it. And, um, and I just listened, but they had some amazing photos of that orchid. And everyone was sharing when, I remember when that happened. Yeah. It was just like, oh, it was so pretty, that orchid. Um, so we've talked about just kind of a general plants and stuff, but do you have anything that's your favorite in particular in South Florida? That's like asking me, you know, what my favorite kind of chocolate is. Well, you can't actually, I mean, I was going to say, you can't like mention South Florida without the pine lily too. Yes, I was just going to say, um, recently, well, not recently, but last fall, um, I went out to Cypress Creek North Natural Area, which is managed by Palm Beach County Environmental Research Management. Um, and I follow them. They're a great follow on Instagram and Facebook. And they share posts when they do prescribed burns. And they had a map and said, no, okay, we're going to be burning this. And I kind of put that in the back of my head and decided, no, I'm going to go back in a couple months and see what comes up. And of course, like, cause they managed the land so well. I mean, there was pine lilies galore. It's the first time ever seeing pine lilies for me outside of Kissimmee Prairie Preserve. That's the only place where I had ever seen pine lilies oh, okay. active, like, so that was exciting. Um, so yeah, pine lilies are beautiful. I also really like the pine pink, um, which is a terrestrial ground orchid um, that I've seen there at Cypress Creek more natural area too. And that's, I've seen that it blooms at funky times. It kind of is like a winter. Just, I mean, it says spring and summer online, but I've seen it blooming more winter time to early blooming. Um, and that's a beautiful orchid to see which I mean it's so fun when I mean, you get to see that kind of stuff <laughs> and when you see like plants like that that you really don't see often um it's just really exciting and um yeah I mean ground orchids win I mean calipogon and spiranthes I get so excited when I see <laughs> and butterworts too butterworts are always on another carnivorous plant I see those at uh, Jonathan Dickinson a lot I mean and then there's just I mean it's hard because like there is so much beautiful flora. I mean, I see tons of plants every time I go out and hiking and I kind of feel bad sometimes because I'm like, oh, this is so pretty. But I'm like, but that's also so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I have to pick your favorite. Yeah. 
the organs are, are, are wonderful, especially being down here in South Florida. I feel like a very, I don't know if it's just cause like I know where to go to see things, but I feel very lucky cause it's like common for me at least, you know, sometimes cause I, like I know there's a spot in Jonathan Dickinson. Like I know where the butterwort patch is. I know where the the grass pink patch is. So I kind of know where to look for stuff. And a lot of people don't. And a lot of the information is not really like known. And obviously to like protect the plants not getting poached or like people stomping around on them to take photos. So there's kind of like a, you want to share that information so that people can get excited about these places, but also to protect the natural area too of kind of withholding some stuff. So. That's, yes. a, that's me that I feel like all, all the time on social media, you know, well, and like you mentioned, it's just really a knowledge of studying. You can flip through your guidebooks forever and ever. And, and finally like learning about, I mean, we talked about geology too, like soil types and, and hydrology and, and blooming season. So if you're looking in winter for something that blooms in July, then you're not going to find gonna it. <laughs> or you're hiking in the wrong place and it's just like, you know, trial and error too. Like, Oh, okay. I yeah. Look here. And I, once you get to learn and intimately know a place, I mean, this mm -hmm. goes, this goes for anywhere. It doesn't have to be Florida, but it could be anywhere. Um, that's where you, that's where you find the cool things. And that's when nature reveals its secrets. The more you go back, the yeah. more it tells you things and shows you things that you normally wouldn't be able to see. I mean, People are like, oh, when is the best time to hike in Florida? And I'm like, yeah, it's nice. It's cool. But, I mean, <laughs> I love spring and summer fall. Give me another season. I know it starts to get toasty. Uh, but, I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, there's just so much to see. And it's, it's funny. Now that I've, like, really dived into, you know, native plants and landscapes and learning more about plants and, like, learning the blue times and, bloom times and habitats and kind of like okay I really want to see pine lily so I, you know, I look for this and this like there's certain things that you kind of like in your brain you know check off to say okay I need to visit this park at this time this park at that time and kind of like plan out and it's been a struggle like the past two years where I'm really like oh I'm like torn about where I want to go and I've really put some miles on there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, the only place I know I've seen pine lilies in Apalachicola, I believe, and Jonathan Dickinson. Those are the only two places I've seen them. Yeah. So. Oh, I haven't seen them at Jonathan Dickinson. I need to look. I've, I've never been, see, and I usually do Jonathan Dickinson in spring and summer. I don't think I've done a real fall visit yet there. Yeah. I think we had to make ourselves go. We went in like mid-August or late August um, when it was the start of them and uh, we're like okay we need to go because we were primarily and this is something I realized as we came back to Texas it's like it's hot in Texas it's hot in Florida but we don't <laughs> we don't hike nearly as much as we do in the summer as we did in Florida yeah. um, and I think it's because we we always went to the swamp to hike <laughs> and like I said there was water and it was cooler <laughs> And now there's no water to swamp in here. And I'm like, we just don't hike so much. So, um, but yeah, that, I think that was one of the reasons we had to make ourselves go to Jonathan Dickinson in August. It's hot and there's no swamp. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think just kind of transition just a little bit. We've talked a little bit about some of your experiences on the Florida trail, but um, 
yeah, talk a little bit about that. Like, when did you find out about the Florida Trail? Did you know about it growing up? Or was it something you just kind of came into as you, you know, got older and were started exploring? Yeah, I don't ever recall knowing about the Florida Trail when I was a kid. I don't remember my parents ever talking about it. But I have fond memories camping out at Ocala National Forest with my parents. Um, so I, I should ask them if they knew what it was. But they, But my parents weren't crazy outdoor enthusiasts they enjoyed it um they were more beach bunnies and sailboating and that kind of stuff um but yeah it wasn't really until I was an adult I I joined Instagram real late in the game I joined like when I was a sophomore no junior in college um and then I started following a bunch of people obviously in the Instagram community like Madeline Panera and following Keith Garipucci and Eleni. Um, so starting to follow them on social media. And then I was like, oh, there's this whole other level. And then starting to follow you. And so I just like over time, I've just learned. But I had Sandra Friend's books. Obviously, I can't not talk about her. When I started to get into hiking and like exploring. And then obviously, she mentions the Florida Trail in her books. Um, so that kind of like triggered like, oh, there's this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cause I, I've been to parts of the Appalachian trail, um, and done day hiking there. I've actually hiked, um, the national ice age scenic trail in Wisconsin. Oh, okay. So you're talking about Florida being the red set headed step child. I don't know about, <laughs> I feel like nobody knows about the ice age national scenic trail up there. Um, but yeah, that's, I have hiked a little bit there, but I've never gone out West. Um, but yeah, Florida getting to know like it's only been recently that i've really learned about the florida trail and i really don't even know that much to, to say that <laughs> yeah right so um, do you have any favorite what well, what's the places that you've been to so far yeah so i've been in south florida on the florida trail i've been part of big cypress out from i-75 at the mile marker you know where the big rest stop is i've hiked north out of there out and back and to um, the south as well and when I did that uh, I went with my co-worker once and then another time we were with the Florida Native Plant Society group so that's more of a walk or a saunter in nature yeah. <laughs> a little bit more slower going you know we're botanizing looking at lots of little plants you know in a one meter plot there's like all these plants and we don't get very far from the parking lot but we did hike out there when it was dry and that was fun um, to see it was interesting trying to hike through the kind of dampish dryish marl oh yeah it's slipping and sliding <laughs> yeah <laughs> um that time of year was nice and there was the uh, people call it prairie milkweed or few flowered milkweed asclepias mm. and that was in bloom so that's fun to see it looks like a little flag like flapping in the breeze with bright red and orange blooms i love asclepias species so i'm kind of uh, I like those two. I didn't mention them earlier, but I do like them as well. I, I will tag on to that one too. <laughs> yes. Suppose. Oh, they're so pretty. They're such complex flowers. They're so neat. Um, yeah. And then obviously, because I'm in Prairie Preserve State Park. <laughs> I love that place. Oh my gosh. It's so magical. So I haven't done huge segments there, but I've hiked out on Military Trail and I've also hiked out on a five mile prairie trail out to Rollerson Trail. I went out a couple, a handful of miles and then came back. Um, so I've done that. And then I've also done Split Oak Wildlife and Environmental Area. Oh, yeah. So, Cause that's pretty close to my parents. It's like less than an hour drive from Southern Park. Um, so on, on 
because you count that that's like the florida trail yeah right? yeah we have the ocean to lake obviously um that segment i've done parts in a little bend jonathan dickinson there's like a just about a mile and a half in Riverbend Park. Yeah. Maintained mm -hmm. by um, Palm Beach County Parks and Rec. And then uh, Hungry Land Slough Natural Area. There's uh, like almost four and a half miles there. So between those three parks on the ocean to lake, I've kind of explored a little bit. Yeah. And though, and we mentioned this earlier, like the ocean lake is like a really good like synopsis of the Florida Trail in a way. And you get such a diversity of habitats, you know. Start at the lake, and then you just get these different uh, in and out of swamps and marshes, and some pine uplands a little bit in there, and then you really kind of come up into you know the pine palmetto complexes, and then your scrub, and then the beach. It's just like ah, uh, like a quick tour. You really do. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, and and the ocean lake definitely has like a a cult kind of following, like you know, because it's a good local trail, and you can do it, you know, in a long weekend if you if you're so inclined. Yeah, um, I've, I've never done. <laughs> never done. <laughs> Me and my my plants and taking photos. Yeah, I don't get very far. I'm really, <laughs> I'm a really slow hiker. I can be fast if I want. I think the most I ever did in like a day was like almost eight miles at uh split oak okay. and i was there for i got there at sunrise and i didn't leave until about one o'clock so like the whole morning i was just out there uh, which was fun it was great <laughs> but yeah most ever i did a day and i was like oh my goodness no you remind you, you and kate uh little nuthatch remind me of each other so much uh just because you guys like to go slow and you take these just beautiful little tiny photos of like you know you find the spider hiding on the milkweed or you find the cool web and um i appreciate kate, that you take your time and look yeah kate's kate is great at eyeing that kind of stuff when we, we go hiking together because i feel like i'm constantly learning from her that kind of stuff because i'm I'm looking more at like the greater landscape and the nerd in me and like my landscape designer brain is like, Oh, look at the textures. Like I tell Kate, like look at the saw palmetto with this blue stem grass and like this other plant in front, like <laughs> texturing, like the organization, like, do you see it? And then she's like, Stephanie, look at this cool bird over here. Oh, look at this kind of spider. I had no idea what it was. And she's <laughs> like, she's like her, like, the world of like macro for her, like the way she sees things is really cool. So I like learn a lot from that because I'm looking more of like the bigger landscape picture. So it's yeah. nice to have when we do spend time in nature together. Yeah. So it's been great to talk with her on Instagram. And then like, I remember we like reached out to each other and I was like, Oh, I want to go to Econ Laxaji Sand Hills, which is near where she is. And so we were able to meet up for the first time. And then since then we've hiked together out at Semi Prairie and camp stuff so that's great so that's a good friendship through yeah. the love of outdoors and nature so yes um sorry i have questions and other things and <laughs> my head my mind's going a million different ways no um uh, yeah so are you primarily hiking by yourself or do you go out it sounds like you go out with other people sometimes uh primarily on my own because a lot of the people that I'm close with in South Florida will not get up at the crack of dawn with me. One of my best dear friends, Kelly, she moved away to Tallahassee, but she was the one friend I could rely on that would be like, 
nah, I'll get up at five o'clock for you and we'll drive to catch sunrise like she was my go-to. So since she's gone, I've just been more of a solo hiker. Um, every now and then my coworkers will join. I do the FNPS group hikes when we do like field trips and stuff. And then every now and then with my parents, but it's usually me. And I kind of like that solitary nature because I, when I'm out there, you know, me being by myself and then getting to experience that, um, I don't feel like I have to entertain somebody else or like worry about them, um, which is, it's nice to have company at times, especially with like-minded people, but I do find solace in being, <laughs> being on my own. <laughs> um, but I did do a hike once I led for um, the Girls Who Hike Florida group. Angie asked me to do a hike. Um, I did it at Malabar Scrub Sanctuary, which is in Southern Brevard, and it's beautiful. There's scrub jays, lots of diversity. It was habitat that was uh, slated for development and then preserved. Um, it's just fun. And I, it was myself, my best friend from my hometown. She came and brought her little baby with her. And then one of my friends from college, like Saul, he posts through Instagram and she drove all the way up from South Florida from oh, wow. to come up and go on the hike. And then there was another woman um, from Orlando that came. So it was like a super small group. And I was like, okay, I like drew out my map. I was like, okay, these are the spots I'm going to hit to show you diversity at the site. And like, <laughs> and I was making sure we got our miles in because the girls who hike Florida love to get their miles. Um, so we did like six miles that day. Um, just for a couple of hours in the morning. So that was fun. Um, I would like to do that again. Um, a lot of people like through social media and Instagram, are like, oh, you go to these places and, you know, can you tell me more about it? And so I think I should try to lead more hikes or try to open it up to people who do follow me on Instagram if they would like to join. Because um, I think there are people that are interested but are just nervous to go out on their own or really don't know what to look for. And if they had somebody kind of show them, then they'd be more inclined to do that so. yeah yeah sure. now since you're out alone by yourself so much do you have any like you know strange encounters or animal encounters like anything weird like have you seen anything uh, happen not that i can think of off the top of my head i fortunately have never had a <laughs> very very weird encounter like i've never had anything where i've been fearful of my life or no nothing like that uh a few kind of wild characters every now and then uh, there was this <laughs> one guy out at Jonathan Dickinson I wasn't far from the park road and I was kind of like on this little sandy trail kind of going through kind of scrubby flatwoods and this guy's walking up he has like this huge stick in his hand like hook like the kind that for herping you know for snakes he's walking he's like hey hey and he like puts his stick down. he's like hey can you put my keys in my backpack for me <laughs> <laughs> like locking up his bike and then, like, his truck that I could see on the park road his, was kind of beaten up. Like, it was a little smashed a bit. He was super friendly, super nice. He was like, oh, I'm out here photog doing photography, too. He had his camera. Like, he was, like, legitimately going out to, like, photograph stuff. And so he was super nice meat to find out. First, I was like, this is a little funky. Like, but he was super <laughs> friendly and was fine. Uh, that's probably the only experience, like, that I can think of. Um, but, like, when I hike, I... When I tromp, I always have my big stick. Sometimes when I go alone to places, I will bring that with me. If I go into a particular place, if I've ever gotten gooseys before, you know, where you kind of freak yourself out. Um, but I always have pepper spray on me, on my pack, if I'm wearing my 
backpack or on my vest. I often sometimes will like go light and just have my vest and my camera on me and then everything on my person. Um, and I also have a knife that I carry on me too. Okay. Yeah. Gotta, gotta be smart and just in case. Yeah, so. no, definitely for sure. I, I, you know, I've mentioned before, I like going out by myself too. I don't do it that, I don't get to do it that often anymore, but, um, I've been known to like just scare myself more than anything. You know, nothing's nothing really crazy has ever happened. It's just more like, okay, yeah. I could, and it's not necessarily people. It's more like wildlife. Like, I'm more more worried about that sometimes than anything else. Yeah, never had any scary wildlife encounters. Um, I always like never. You know, I've always keep my distance from gators. I've never had any like scary snake encounters. I bet there's probably been some scary snakes around me, but I just didn't notice them and probably just moved along. Um, but no, I haven't had any kind of like negative experiences like that. I mean, there's a few times cause I do love a good sunrise. Like I love going early and hiking early before it gets too hot. Um, and there are some times where I'll get to a place and it's dark and I'm like tempted to go out and take photos, but I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to sit in my car until daybreak happens <laughs> and then I'll, you know, go do my thing. So sometimes I get like an eerie feeling like that, but yeah, just me kind of like, yeah, that. yeah. It's, it's more your brain telling you a story than it, what's really actually happening out there. So yeah, maybe break it into kind of two resource issues here. For Florida Trail people who are just coming to hike on the Florida Trail for, you know, their two-month stint, and then a separate kind of resource for people who may be living in Florida who want to get to know Florida it better and what they would, could encounter, like, what kind of resources would people find valuable? Um, let's see. And I, and I will put most of this stuff up on the show notes, so if you're talking about anything, I, I will put on the show notes. Absolutely. Um, I think... The most helpful or like fun thing resource that I own that's great to look at is the Florida Natural Heritage um, book that I gave you. So listen to the show notes. Because um, that is like a good snapshot. It was done by the Florida Natural Areas Inventory. Um, Keith Curry talked about on his podcast. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and it's great because it has wonderful photos it talks about habitat it talks about like some of the best like memorable landscapes of florida that you should go visit so it's like a quick and like visual way to be like oh this seems cool i should try to explore this you know close to or off the trail so i think that's like a fun resource um, for people to see um, and obviously it talks about flora and fauna and like habitat in general, but it does it in a very interesting way. And then if you live here and really want to learn more, I mean, there's different levels of books. Um, there's the Florida Natural Ecosystems and Native Species. There's volumes one, two, and three that talk about, um, you know, freshwater, what, um, or excuse me, water, wetlands, and uplands of Florida the different volumes and that's like more information than what that other atlas the um, florida natural heritage book will give you then you have the florida ecosystem book which is like a maroon book with a yellow cover or yellow sun on the cover and that's more like a traditional textbook with lots of information yeah. but that i feel like is great because i use that as like a reference book so like 
I'm going out to Kissimmee Prairie. I'm going to look up Florida Dry Prairie. And then it tells me, like, within the Florida Dry Prairie system, there's actually all these other little types of ecosystems that you can look up and then specifically calls out, like, vegetation for that ecosystem or fauna for that ecosystem. So it gets, like, more specific so the parts that you're interested in about a specific type of ecosystem, you can, like, find out. And it's organized in a very thoughtful way and that makes sense I feel like and also gives you like history and that kind of stuff too um which I feel like is a fun resource um and then I mean one fun book that I really really enjoy and like when I don't have any plans for an upcoming weekend and I want to figure something out I go to Sandra's book with the botanical wonders of Florida I think that's what it's called Exploring Florida's Botanical Wonders, excuse me. Um, and that's great because she explicitly says, like, you should go here because it has a great habitat, or you should go here because there's this really cool tree you need to see, or, you know, so that's always fun. So if you're more botanically minded and that's what interests you, that's a good reference. And it's, I think, all of Florida is encompassed in that, and it's, like, short little description. So it's not only, like, parks and natural places there's also like botanical gardens and like other things that are of interest that are included in that as well okay yeah so that sounds like great resources now what about the florida native plant society what um i knew you're involved with them somewhat like what can if somebody really wanted to take this to the next level like what uh <laughs> what do you guys do there yeah so the florida native plant society you know their mission is to preserve, conserve, and, you know, protect and promote native plants, you know, whether they're occurring naturally in the wild and should be protected or people in their own cultivated landscapes planting native plants. So that's what they're advocating for. Um, there's the state organization and then there's local chapters throughout, um, you know, Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach are very active chapters and I think Martin County as well. They hold monthly meetings. They also have typically monthly field trips. Um, so that's always fun to get involved if you really do want to learn more about plants. Um, for the chapter I'm a part of, of Broward, you know, we have all different kinds of speakers that come. So the meetings, it's really a speaker giving a presentation. Um, so like one, for example, Jimmy Lang from Fairchild Botanical Garden, who's a field botanist there, came and spoke to us and specifically talked about biodiversity in Florida. And he talked about, you know, those influences of the Caribbean and the coastal plain and why that's the way that it is. So a lot of that information I learned from him, you know, from his talk. Um, we also had somebody um, come and talk about butterflies who's involved with NAVA, which is the North American Butterfly Association. So they kind of like bring in people that, you know, it's not always specifically about native plants, but it always relates back to native plants. So that's just a fun, I mean, you can obviously go on the Florida Native Plant website. A lot of the chapters have their own websites and social media just to like learn more information that way. Um, but yeah, it's a great organization and like everyone that I've met <laughs> through Florida Native Plant Society is nice. Like they care about the world they care about people, they care about plants, they care about wildlife. So it's just a fun, like, group to, like, be a part of, which I enjoy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, when, when someday this pandemic tapers off, what's on your goal list to go hike? So, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the fall, I have a big trip planned to the Panhandle. I'm going camping with my parents. We're going to St. George's Island State Park. 
So I will be near Apalachicola National Forest and near St. Mark's. So I'm, we're staying there for a couple of days. So I'm hoping I can do day trips in to mm -hmm. either possibly hike sections of the Florida Trail there. Um, I'm really excited about that. And then part of that leg of that trip, we're also going to Blackwater River State Park. All Yes. So I'm excited for that too. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that that trip still happens. Um, also, I mean, we planned it for September. Fingers crossed that weather and storms cooperate. And that, yes. that, um, that's like the big, big, like looking forward to. But obviously, I, I really want to get back to my Malabar Scrub Sanctuary once this is all over because that's been closed. So I haven't been able to go there and all the. Uh, milkweeds are blooming right now like i've seen asclepius criticii there and asclepius fei which is the florida milkweed which is really pretty so i know that's blooming it's out there right now and I <laughs> now have you have you been able to go anywhere locally uh, and hike or do anything so i hiked in south florida at yamato scrub sanctuary which is a natural area in um in boca raton here right before they closed everything so that was my last like hike. And then since then, the last time I did, I, I the only thing I've done is uh, this past weekend, I went up to Blue Cypress Lake in Indian River County and paddled there. Um, so right now in Indian River County, um, they're preserve or conservation areas, boat ramps, and majority of their parks are open. It's just like, parks that are smaller with playgrounds and things like that are closed. So like they still have recreation areas open, which is nice, you know, cause when we went out there at Blue Cypress, there, there's some people there, but we were all hundreds of yards away from each other. So it was nice to be able to um, get a little bit of nature. Uh, so we went and paddled, which stayed apart on our kayaks. So yeah. That's uh, a nice kind of, rural counties so i can see that they would leave things open because it wouldn't be nearly as swamped as you know down in palm beach county i mean for i mean blue cypress is way out in the west part of the county close yeah. to the church so it's pretty out there in the middle, middle of nowhere um but it was it was it was nice because i had for someone who always is out in nature and then to suddenly not that's it's been a bit of a struggle for me um it's just different, you know, lifestyle now working from home and, you know, working remotely. So that's different. And then, you know, working in a job that is, you know, solid full days worth of work. And then my weekends were always my escape. <laughs> and like the hustle and bustle of South Florida is like commute and all that. So on a daily basis. And then on the weekends, I'm like, okay, time to go out and do something and explore and take time for myself. So that's kind of been changed in a different way mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's been more like when i am home and i am not doing things on the week like the other weekend and like reading books and planning for another time or learning you know so just taking the time to do something else yeah <laughs> back out there soon <laughs> i i completely feel you we got out last weekend for a few hours and we wanted to go this weekend but we kept having rainstorms it was pretty much rained all weekend so we didn't go anywhere and i think this weekend might be good and texas state parks are reopening but you have to make a reservation and you have to wear a mask um in the state park and 
mm, I have reservations about that. And some like as hiking away from people, like I don't want to wear a mask. I feel like is that necessary? Yeah, sure. Maybe at the grocery store. Maybe if I'm at the park office, that sort of situation is a good is called for. But I don't know. I'm kind of curious. I'm kind of waiting to see like how that really plays out. Um, but um, otherwise, we have a couple national forests I've, we can go to. So. Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of amazing because where I live, there's like a lake and people are out walking and doing all that kind of stuff. And, you know, a lot more people are out and needing to be in nature and then not having access to those places. It's it's tough, you know, especially for those people that crave it and need it balanced and be in the right kind of state of mind. So, I mean... I get it. It's kind of like blanket rules to keep everyone safe. Of course, but of course. I'm thinking like Hungry Land Natural Area out in Palm Beach. That's in the middle of nowhere, or like Kissimmee Prairie out in the middle, where you're really like away from civilization to a degree. Um, I was like, I wish Kissimmee Prairie was open. I had a big uh, spring <laughs> trip, and for that, I took off time from work to go for the spring wildflower walk, and that obviously didn't happen. But. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I guess maybe to wrap up, where can people follow you? And um, I know you've had a couple things, photos published, I think. Um, where can, yeah, people find all of that good stuff and find out more information and, and learn from you? Yes. So I mainly share through Instagram. That's the best way to keep tabs on what I'm up to. You can follow me at Steph Lee. It's S-T-E-F-F-L-E-I-G-H. Um, I share photos on my feed, um, and then I've, in the past year and a half, two years, I've gone into Insta Story. So oftentimes when I do go hiking, I obviously have my camera. I take lots of photos. <laughs> so I try, so basically like chronologically, like how I hike or paddle, that's how I'll post in my story. So like I'll try to post like I'm at all of our scrub sanctuary, and then like then I start to go into what you're seeing, and then I'll add plant IDs or animal, you know, IDs to that. Um, so that's been a new way. A lot of people have reached out and they get really excited when I share that kind of content. Um, it takes a while to do cause I'm also editing kind of the photos too before I upload, do some slight tweaks and stuff. Um, and then I've also been saving them to highlights. So I cleared all my highlights last year. So if you actually go to my Instagram feed now and go all the way back, you can actually see all the nature adventures I've actually done this year. So it kind of also creates like a little bit of like an album where I can kind of like comb back through and see everything. So Instagram obviously is the best place to connect with me and see what I'm up to. Um, I'm trying to figure out if I should do something with my photos. (laughs) That's, constant struggle I'm pro- I pro- I'm like a photo hoarder I just like take so many on my camera and I have so much of like a backlog um I'm trying to figure out what I can do with them I've kind of like toyed with the idea of maybe doing some sort of blog I don't know a website or something I just don't know how to organize my photos because I do go back to places again and again like it would be neat to organize them in a way that's like timeline wise like Anytime you want to go to Jonathan Dickinson in spring, like you can go and see the photos and compare from year to year. Like then it almost becomes like citizen scientist because I'm taking so many photos. You're kind of like documenting the species and like when they're blooming and that kind of stuff. And that's another layer of like information. So I don't know what I'm going to do with them. But yeah, I've had a, I've 
Um, the one big photo published was the one on the newsletter for uh, Conservation Florida. I took a picture of the pine lily uh, out at the BioBlitz event that I attended at Kissimmee Preserve State Park. So that was fun. Mom and dad liked that. Mom's like, you got to do something with your photos. They're cool. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with them. Uh, and like one or two here and there, I think Florida Native Plains Society put one of my pictures on the cover of like an annual report for like their board members or stuff. So not a lot. Just a little bit. And then uh, Conservation Florida um, or Florida Conservation Voters, excuse me. Um, have asked me to like share some of my photos and videos with them to use for content. Um, so they're super nice. Carson Mitchell, I believe is her name, is over there. She's doing all their social media stuff and she's really sweet and she like reached out to me. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm not getting paid for any of this stuff. I'm just doing it because I want people to see, you know, Florida. So maybe one day, but for now, Instagram. <laughs> oh, I enjoy it. I always go to your stories. I'm like, ooh, ooh, and I hope I don't annoy you. Sometimes, like, I just want to like starry eye, you know, all of them, like, or the heart eye one. Like, ooh, I well, like that. That's so sweet. <laughs> um, and then I guess the other thing I would say too, if you're interested in landscape architecture and kind of like what I do on like my professional side of my career, you can always visit um, Cadence Living on Instagram. C a d e n c e l i v i n g or cadence-living.com. Um, through my job, actually, we've done a few hikes. So we've promoted it through that. I've led that at Jonathan Dickinson. Um, we also did one at Everglades at Long Pine Key for National Hike Day. Um, so we do stuff through that. So you can always attend an event that we promote through my job, too, if you want to meet and go on a hike. So okay. another way. Well, um, thanks for so much for coming on the podcast and talking about, you know, everything you do. I'm always inspired by your photos. And I think like if, if you're interested in coming onto the Florida trail and you don't know anything about it, um, and you don't know anything about Florida and the landscape itself, your Instagram is definitely an account to follow because you get a good look at, of what's, especially in South Florida, like the landscape, the plants, animals, you get a good feel of it. And, um, I feel like some people come, to Florida with like maybe a negative mindset and if, if they just knew a little bit about Florida and its habitats they would ch they would change their mind just a little bit so absolutely I hope so and thank you so much for the kind words and definitely um, get out there and explore <laughs> that's it for my chat with Stephanie you can find the show notes for the episode at orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com the podcast can be found on Instagram as Orange Blaze Podcast and on Facebook as Official Orange Blaze Podcast. Happy hiking. 